Story number one. It wasn't us this time. Written by Ack 1308. Ambassador Thornton sighed as he massaged the bridge of his nose with his finger and thumb. Human Thornton warbled the avian crew from his perch, bobbing his head with concern. Are you angry, distressed? Does your kind shed malt its integument skin? No true, Larrily, Thornton replied patiently, doing his best to replicate the liquid notes of the alien ambassador's syrinx. It was an emotional reaction, but not anger, more irritation and frustration. We seem to be speaking in circles, never reaching a conclusion. I agree, concur, Lariella chirped. It appears that what you know understand does not match up with our records of extermination. Precisely, agreed Thornton, and your records predate the history of humankind on Earth, so it's impossible for us to be this extermination. He gestured to the screen. Show me the image again. Oblongly, Lariella activated the screen, a fuzzy, jerky image of a humanoid soldier in advanced armor, firing some sort of energy weapon, advanced across the screen. When it was halfway, Thornton held up a finger, and the troll paused the action. If I'm correct with my estimation of the scale, that being is a little shorter than an average human, and a lot more solid through the body, Thornton said carefully. Also, note the prominent brow ridge over the helmet area, and the large, wide nose with the receding chin. The phenotype doesn't exist anywhere on Earth. At last, they started rampaging across the galaxy 300,000 years ago, and finally dropped out of sight 50,000 years ago. That's before our time. Sorry. Ah, the true. Your explanation, demonstration is adequate to the purpose. I will inform, explain to the Galactic Greater Council that humanity brings no danger peril with it. Thornton smiled. Thank you, he said warmly. All of humanity thanks you. He stood up and held out his hand to, um, brush feathers with the true in their version of a handshake, then left the audience chamber. His bodyguard, who had been sitting unobtrusively in the background, went with him. Once Thornton was in the shielded limo, he glanced at the bodyguard. This vehicle has been swept. Five minutes ago, the fit, muscular man replied, while you were talking with the other ambassador. Good. Thornton leaned back in his seat and let a sigh escape his lips. Put me through to the Institute, full encryption. As the limo hummed along the road, the screen went to a handshake hash, then flicked into full clarity. Two men and two women were seated along one side of a table. They looked up, the screen cleared. Well, the woman asked. I saw the best image they had, Thornton said. It's bad, but it could be worse. I convinced them that it wasn't us. He took a deep breath. We're going to need to destroy all evidence, erase all the records. One of the men shook his head. God damn Neanderthals, he muttered. All that time and we never knew. End call, Thornton said. The screen went dark and he reached for the wet bar and poured himself a drink. Diplomacy was a dirty job at times, but this was the first foray into covering the tracks of a genocidal killer. The fact that the perpetrator was an entire extinct species didn't make it any less strange. The things you learn, he mused as he took a drink. End of story number one. Story number two. Okay, this time it was us. Written by ACK1308. Thornton was looking over the latest version of the True Trade Agreement with his phone chimed. He picked it up and tapped to answer icon. 
When the screen changed in the secure encryption app, he sat up with a trickle of apprehension going down his spine. It would route the call through several randomly selected exchanges before it ever got to him. This meant the call was important in a way that normal diplomacy never achieved. Yes, he asked, once the connection was complete. There have been more developments on a certain matter. It was Davies, one of the men from the Institute. The certain matter he spoke of could only mean one thing. Thornton moved his mouse and clicked the icon on his screen, and the white noise generator started up within the room. With their advanced hearing, the true would listen in on a conversation from across the street, but white noise gave them a splitting headache. I'm listening, he said. We investigated a mass Neanderthal burial site. It looked like a bedrock underneath, but we sank a trial hole anyway, and there was a hidden cavity, holding what looked like laser-etched records. Thornton sat very still. Neanderthal records, he asked. This was a first. If it had come ten years earlier, the entire paleontological community would have collectively getting drunker than a frat house party. Now it was potentially explosive. Have you managed to decipher them? Only the broad strokes, but I think you need to hear it. It sheds a lot of light on what happened uh, back then. Back when the Neanderthal race was laying waste to the galaxy, he meant. Closing his eyes, Thornton nodded. Tell me. This is the big one. Our branch Homo sapiens sapiens wasn't all that bright until the Neanderthals took a hand in our development. His breath hitched in his throat. They, um, uplifted us. To be their partners, their heirs. Davies coughed uncomfortably. Not so much uplifted as gave us the last little boost, but not to be their equals. To be their slaves and servants. To run their facilities while they were out conquering the galaxy. Leaning forward, Thornton knocked his forehead on the desk. Frick, he muttered. He remained there for a few minutes and the possibilities churning through his head, until he finally got his emotions under control. Taking a deep breath, he sat up. Is that it? No, there's more. There was an uprising. Our distant ancestors overcame our overseers and took over the facilities. Neanderthals couldn't, didn't trust any but their own parts, mainly on the moon, as they came back for the refuting and rearming. We waited until they left the ships, and then disabled the ships and murdered the crews. No prisoners, asked Thornton. His voice sounded distant even to his own ears. None. I doubt that they could have risked it. But even with all the passcodes, it got harder and harder to keep the masquerade up. Finally, when the last battle group came back into the system, they demanded to know where everyone was. The human crews on the moon knew that they couldn't fool the battle group long enough to get them all to dock with the lunar facilities. And if they tried to take off and fight, they'd lose. No training is running the ships, you see. So what did they do? Thornton had a premonition that he knew. They rigged a self-destruct that converted an entire facility into an EMP bomb, one that turned the fleet into dead metal, in falling into the sun. But it killed every human on the moon, vaporized the facilities, and turned it all into craters. And the humans on Earth? He wasn't seeing his office anymore. He was seeing a desperate humans having fought clear of a millennia-long slavery, taking one last gamble, trading their lives for the freedom of every human on the planet below. He suspected that they'd made the trade gladly. The tech was mostly made inert, except for a few shielded pieces here and there. It was what they used to make those records, and then they buried them under the Neanderthal city. 
So, did the alien Neanderthals survive? The fossil records say that a few thousand did on Earth, but they didn't have their technological advantage anymore, and they were outnumbered a hundred to one by Homo sapiens. What tech was left behind would have failed altogether inside a few years, then corroded and decayed to an unrecognizable state over the next 50,000 years. Cities, their whole civilizations gone. Everyone regressed in tech and the very basics. The Neanderthals died out at some point, and humanity gradually pulled themselves back up by their bootstraps. Thornton suspected that there was much to the story than that. He knew how vindictive humans could be. He was a human, after all. Neanderthals would have been a hunted species for at least a generation after the Empire was brought down. After that, survival would have taken precedence over revenge. Still outnumbered and outbred by humanity, their fate had been sealed from the moment the battle fleet was destroyed. So that's it, he said heavily. They enslaved us, so we massacred them and let the survivors go extinct. I wouldn't be all surprised if the last remnants were taken in by the human tribes, Davies reminded him. The genetic evidence seems to suggest something of the sort. I suppose so. Well, you'll be destroying the records now. Father Thornton was horrified at making the suggestion. His pragmatic side knew that it was essential to leave no trace of humanity's connection to what the true called the extermination, not if they were having amicable relations with the rest of the galaxy. Some dogs were best left asleep, undisturbed. Um, there is one more thing. We really, really want to spend more time deciphering them. And there was the other shoe. Why? What's so important? On the other end of the line, Davies hesitated. We think there might be a record of the beginning of the extermination, and why the Neanderthals went after the rest of the galaxy in the first place. Thornton took a deep breath and then let it out, trying to dispel the sense of impending doom. Ah, do you really think that's important after all this time? It might be. Some of the races around now aren't that old. Definitely impending doom. I see. Carry on. Keep me informed. Yes, Ambassador. Thornton cut the call, then switched off the white noise generator before massaging his temples with his fingertips. He had no idea what Davies and his team would dig up, but he suspected it would be nothing good. Worse, there was one niggling thought that kept returning to him. What if they were justified? End of story number two.